Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to all of our friends all over the world. This is Purpose Way 22, coming at you live with my buddy Style Pigeon. We're here for Gingerly Episode 4. Happy Sunday, my dude. How you doing? Dude, I'm so excited. It's been a good Sunday already. Got me some video game time in this morning, but now I'm ready to like buckle down and, and learn about some numbers and, and dive into this topic. I'm so excited after playing VR and stuff with Fibo. He's such a cool person in general. I can't wait to hear about what he actually does uh, and his actual passion. Yeah, me too, man. So this episode is called Fibonacci, the hidden gem. We're bringing on our good friend, Fibo Swanee. Uh, we hang out with Fibo every Wednesday with the Bitcoin Badgers playing VR golf. Um, so we're going to dive into what technical analysis is and then how he uses Fibonacci spirals to predict the future like a wizard. Um, so before we dive in, I just want to do a quick pitch for our awesome sponsor, Roundly X. Uh, we gingerly is sponsored by Roundly X. It's a simple to use app that allows you to purchase Bitcoin and other digital assets with spare change automatically. Uh, so this set it and forget it. DCA tool helps you build wealth safely and conveniently over time. And it actually helped me pay off my Subaru in a time of financial stress. Uh, thanks for th throwing that up on the screen there, Nick. If you go to get started, you can sign up with code gingerly and get you $4 in Bitcoin to get started. Um, so without any further delay, let's dive in. Okay. Heck yeah. <laughs> Not sure what that was. Do you have it skipping around on you? Oh, no, it played fine for me. Oh, okay. um, Just to let FYI. people know, we are having some a little bit of technical difficulties on John's end. Um, so just if he drops out, we'll pick up the slack. No worries. But we might have to uh, play it by ear, as the jazz musician in me <laughs> wants to say. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yo, Nick, if you bring Fibo on, we can go ahead and, and kick it off. Welcome, Fibo. How you doing, man? What is up, my friends? <laughs> so glad to have you on the show, dude. Let me go over your quick intro real fast and we'll dive in. So uh, for the past 20 years, Fibo has been a trader, an analyst, and a price risk manager working within the sphere of technical analysis, like I mentioned earlier, Elliott Wave Analysis, and Fibonacci Analysis. He first learned these types of behavioral analysis tools, trading cattle and grain futures for a top cattle broker, and for the past 18 years, He's used those skills as a senior technical analyst at a top energy consulting firm. Uh, he has a lot of notes for a book he would like to write one day about his threshold theory that's called Fibliminal Thinking, uh, which we're going to dive into and I think is an amazing title. Uh, he is also a certified financial technician with a CFTE designation through the International Federation of Technical Analysts, the IFTA. Welcome, Fibo. So glad to have you on the show, man. Thanks, man. That's awesome. That, that that introduction makes me feel old with you. Oh, dude, <laughs> official and professional, you know, old doesn't have anything to do with it. True, true. <laughs> it's called wisdom, right? Wisdom. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The experience. So I was kind of telling in the intro, we, we met you. Uh, I, I, I guess I met you um, from Paul, crypto curator who runs several other Bitcoin live shows. Uh, but me and Pigeon got the chance to know you a little bit better uh, through VR golf um, every Wednesday. And uh I've always wanted to kind of pick your brain about technical analysis, but like, cause I know nothing. And I think Pigeon knows nothing about technical analysis as well, but your whole thing is Fibonacci spirals. So for those who don't know, Nick, if you could go ahead and pull up like one of those first examples that we have there, what is a Fibonacci spiral? Um, it's this cool little thing. Yeah. You can see the animation there. Um, and how would you define it, Fibo? Like what, what is a Fibonacci spiral? Well, the, the, I mean, the, the spiral itself comes from the actual Fibonacci sequence uh, of numbers. So when you have that formula of one plus one equals two and one plus two equals three and two plus three equals five and so on off into infinity. Right. Um, that's what that's what that's where the spiral itself comes from. So that that's that's where you kind of see all of that uh, uh, when everybody yeah, puts different spirals, that's where it comes from. Yeah, and we actually had the cool opportunity to stumble upon a Fibonacci spiral in VR. I actually included an image for that, Nick, <laughs> if you wouldn't mind throwing that one up there real fast. Um, <laughs> yeah, when that one popped up, that was one of my favorite holes, of course. That was that was a really cool experience. So um, you can see, thanks, Nick. I appreciate that. It's just a screenshot, but me and Fibo were playing through the Sweetopia level of walkabout VR golf. And we come up to this hole and Fibo starts freaking out going, oh my God, it's a Fibonacci spiral. Like, what are you talking about, dude? And so we fly into the next hole. And, and yeah, you can see from an aerial view here that Walkabout put that in there. So 
ever since then, I've, I've been thinking about, you know, oh, man, it'd be really cool to actually talk about what Fibonacci's are, you know, um, the, the number sequence and all that kind of stuff. And from what I understand, my wife even points out to me all the time, there's a lot of Fibonacci in nature, right? Like it's a naturally occurring thing. Um, and that's yep. part of like the value prop of the Fibonacci from technical analysis, right? Like those patterns show up in behavioral, behavioral kind of things, I guess. Yep. I don't even know. Yep. I'm not using the right words, but. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, yeah. I mean, there's Fibonacci in nature. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit and a little more in depth, but um, my mind's been warped over the years. Cause I, I basically have a lens that I look at the world uh, in, in that mathematical sequence. It's like, it's kind of weird, but that's the way I kind of think of things anymore. It's so like, yeah, out. you just start seeing the Fibonacci's pop out, like in various places and stuff. After yeah, settings it's, for a long it's pretty time. weird, to be honest. Yeah, and you can see in that nature picture there, like uh, succulents are a good one, snail snail uh, shells and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, Pigeon, were you going to say something? Sorry, I didn't mean to just keep on. No, going. that's okay. I was, I was actually, I'm always really interested in the way that nature like coincides with other things. And my whole gambit is uh, really interdisciplinarity. Like I like taking disparate things and smashing them together and see what we get. Uh, the closest thing that I have to this has actually been thus far the Pareto distribution or the 80-20 rule um, and how that actually exists in nature where I think it's like 80% or sorry, 20% of the, all the trees in the world produce 80% of the oxygen um, and like 20% of the stars in the universe uh, actually contain 80% of the mass of all stars in the universe. So little mathematical things that actually occur throughout nature is always really interesting to me, but I, did, I never knew you could apply that to markets necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I uh, when I throw up a slide uh, on that, I'll I'll go a little bit more in depth on it. Cool, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, me too. So, um, oh yeah, thanks for throwing up the Pareto distribution. Nick's always on it with uh, lightning speed searching, <laughs> throwing up those resources. We love it. Yeah. Um, well, so let's dive in. So, Fibo, what what's technical analysis and like more specifically, how does it ap apply to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? Because when I first heard about what you do. I was like, okay, we're taking spirals and we're putting them over a chart and then we just know the future. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely like less magical than that, I think. Yeah, it, it's uh, not. But. No, we'll, we'll touch on the on the spirals here in a little bit. But the, yeah, yeah. the spirals, it's it's really not the spirals at first. Mm -hmm. It's really the ratios that that get, that we get from the sequence itself. But okay, cool. um, what is TA? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I actually have yeah. my own definition that I've written down over the years. Because uh, and it gets adjusted as I get older and just I guess wiser I guess, um, but I, I have it written down here. It's uh, the art of identifying the force of an emerging trend until the weight of numerous indicators and principles show or prove otherwise. So in other words, everyone talks about technical analysis as an art and also a science. And the art side of it is identifying it's it's the art of it is is basically the annotations and the subjectivity that pr people bring to the charts to find those patterns that people are making um but then it's the math side or the science side that you use you use these indicators to um the way i apply indicators is i try to measure the psychology or the behavior in the market because i want to know when that mass psychology in the market is changing or switching mentality um, and to me, uh, what makes a good technician is, yes, we ride those trends, but it's when those trends are going to reverse, not necessarily make, not necessarily trying to find a bottom or a top. It's really trying to find that reversal of the psychology. So you're more comfortable knowing that the trend is reversing, going the other direction. That's fascinating. So like, yeah, it wouldn't necessarily indicate an exact bottom or a top, but it's all about the trend, Sometimes you right? get lucky, but to me... Yeah. Bottom searching and top searching is an act of futility. Um, I, I mean, you can get lucky and, and nail the bottom. And, and of course, I've hit the bottom a few times here and there, but it wasn't my goal. My mm -hmm. goal wasn't to say, let's find the bottom. My goal is to find the reversal. Uh, and sometimes finding that reversal, you might miss that first one third of a, of a really long trend. But I'm fine making a middle one third or a middle or two thirds of the trend going the other direction versus mm -hmm. trying to find that bottom so that, yeah that makes a lot of sense so and like from my perspective you know i'm always listening for the for the dca and like whenever we're talking about cryptocurrency and so like that is a really interesting perspective to me because 
you know, technical analysis may not, I always hear about it like, oh, we're going to use TA to snipe the bottom. You know, that's what all these big traders talk about. And I think that's why a lot of people make a lot of money is because people believe that, oh, I can pay this person and they can just predict the future. But if you're paying more attention to charts, like you're talking about to find trends, then maybe you can adjust your dollar cost averaging strategy, you know, to be more advantageous throughout the cycle. And it's not necessarily trying to snipe the bottom. It's just, we're going to like be more prepared based off of what we're seeing in the, in the trend. So yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, when you're looking at dollar cost averaging, I mean, that's a helpful tool to lower risk, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're also missing out of lump sum investing, also. Yes. Uh, so I mean, it's a give or take. It depends on risk tolerance and what you like. But uh, when it comes to DCA, the way I look at it is like when people look at 401k, mm -hmm. um, I don't really see that as a dollar cost averaging because it's money that you've that you've just earned, right. and you put it into the market. Um, Dollar cost averaging to me is if I got $10,000 laying around, I'm going to buy $1,000 every week until it's done uh, right. to get that average, correct? So right. to me, the way I approach the markets, I almost like to use the lump sum and take that 10 grand and put it all in the market at one time when I know that the trend is changing and working in that direction. But mm -hmm. of course, there's more risk to that. So, right. you know, it just depends on what you like on a risk tolerance. So there's nothing wrong with DCA, sure. but then you're also missing out on possible larger returns. That's that's really all it is. I 100% agree uh, from my angle because the DCA thing is what allows me to be involved because I'm extremely risk intolerant. Like I'm not, I don't know enough to mitigate my risk properly. Whereas, you know, if I had a tool like, or if I had experience with a tool like TA, I would be able to actually mitigate that risk based on what I know to some extent. Correct. Is, am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, I mean, I just, I guess it's, it comes down to risk tolerance. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And if, uh, um, the way, the way I run my stuff is, is if I, if I found that, you know, just buying every week would get me a better return over time than the way I approach the market, cause I'm a swing trader, uh, and, and I base it off a lot of Fibonacci and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But, um, to me, it's, uh, um, it's just really on how you approach it. Um, I like to do more lump sum uh, riding the trend than I do dollar cost averaging. But again, it takes time. It takes effort, um, you know, experience. It's not something that you can just go and do. Um, so, you know, it's something that if you enjoy it, which I do, is something that over time you grow to learn how to apply that to even reduce your risk and still do lump sum investing going in, in, in that direction. Yeah, I think in a really cool way, TA is also just helping yourself understand your own tolerance and your own like perception of the trend. For me, I've, as I've grown in like saving and like dollar cost averaging, I like to do so Rally X makes it easy not to get overly shilly here, but like they do roundups, which are, which are random. Right. And like I think are a great complement to a regular dollar cost averaging strategy because you have that regularity. But then throwing in that randomness helps you like adjust for the market in different trends and then also if you throw in lump sum investing as well i like to do that you know i i don't do ta necessarily like i'll know some basic pendant formations or you know various things that i listen through like you or scott uh, melker various other people and so i like to have a you know a stack that i'll be like all right whenever i feel like it gets to this level i'm going to throw an extra bulk buy-in to complement everything else that i'm doing as well um yeah, i don't yeah. know I just, it feels oh, well-rounded that way strategy. you know no, I think yeah. that's great. It's a great way of approaching it. I mean, technical analysis to me is a tool. It's not an mm -hmm. end all be all. Um, right. If you use it as a tool, as a risk management tool, because uh, mm -hmm. what it really boils down to, no matter what strategy you use, you know, short term DCAs or uh, whatever, uh, yeah. it really boils down to how you manage your risk, um, regardless of how you approach it. It's all right. about risk management, but I use I use technical analysis as a tool to help guide my risk management. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great way so, of saying that. So I'm not yeah. I'm not just using TA just to buy and sell, just using TA, because then you're going to lose your ass over time. Um, right. You've got to really learn risk management along with the tool that you're using. Yeah, I think that maybe the bane of all crypto and blockchain people trying to get in and make it rich is that everyone feels like there should be a get rich quick thing that they do right and a lot of people go to ta for that 
because they think, oh, we draw the lines. We know exactly where it's going to go. We use leverage and then you're gone. You're wrecked because it doesn't work that way. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I like mean, that. To, tool me, to me, it's slow and steady. Uh, and my whole goal is to be able to trade another day. And, right. and if you just do that over time, your returns will be there. Are you going to make, you know, 200%? Probably not. But, you know, if you make a good return over time, then, you know, patience and, you know, just kind of kind of go around. Away. Yeah, you're still around. Exactly. Yeah. So just to pull this out, uh, that's basically the compounding effect in action, correct? When you're, uh, yeah, you're yeah, adding I mean, that effort over time and whether the margins are big or not doesn't really matter because it's adding over time to become X yeah, in, the, in the distant future. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's the way you approach it. But I mean, the way I approach things is kind of weird. But um, I have I have a I have a short term book and I have a long term book. And in my short term book, I have, I mean, basically they're set up the same, but it's just the amount of money in each one. I have different buckets in each of my uh, books and there's a bucket for Bitcoin and there's a bucket for Ethereum and there's a bucket for whatever. And in each bucket is an amount of money that I am pooling to trade that particular asset. So what I'll do is I'll go in and I'll buy 10% of whatever that bucket is for Bitcoin at that point in time. Uh, and then that time, then what it does is if I look at my short term and my long term all over my entire portfolio, I'm buying 10% of that bucket, but I'm not risking 10% of my entire portfolio. So what it, what it, I, it, I can go into it all day, but it's kind of a, it's kind of confusing, but that's the way I do it. Um, so when you say compounding, the money I make in that short term, if I'm, if I'm profitable over, you know, each month or whatever, uh, that amount of money in that bucket gets larger and larger. So my 10% entries are larger as the trend goes, as I'm mm -hmm. following the trend. So if I'm buying and selling, I'm, I'm probably buying and selling more as that 10% goes on. And maybe I'll buy 10% and then I'll put another entry in for 20%. And then I'll have 30% of that bucket and those kind of things. So if the trend's going really strong, I'm adding and adding and adding. It's like, it's like, you know, if you play craps at the craps table and the eight keeps flying up there and you keep putting money down on the eight, you're kind of pushing it. Right. And if that mm -hmm. trend is going to stay, you're going to make a lot of money on the trend. And that's, that's really how I approach it. So a lot of people ask me, man, you're putting 10% of your money down right away. And I'm like, no, I put 10% of that bucket. But if you look at my entire portfolio, what I have exposed, maybe I'm only one or 2% of my entire portfolio. Right. Yeah, that so, makes sense to me. I, yeah. I do a similar idea. I, I um, you know, I have a stack of Bitcoin that is the stack and I don't I pretend like it doesn't exist. And then I have a play money stack and I invest like percentages of the play money stack in various other things. Like, I guess it's kind of a similar concept. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I only yeah. have like two or three buckets that are that yeah. I play. Well, I, got, I got a short term and long term and then I got my cold storage. And there you go. The goal is to make money in the short term pop it over to the long-term, make a lot of money in the long-term and then put it into cold storage. It's, it's a step process for me, but it and gets even without, <laughs> even without TA, like people listening should consider doing that sort of strategy you or, know? or something you, that fits them. Yes. But yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Not that exact strategy, but yeah, that's the goal is like, we want to be stacking up that vault of cold storage yeah. that you don't yeah. ever have to think about that's there, you know? Yeah. So, that's the um, risk management portion of it. I use TA as a tool to help me gain into that, into that, uh, yeah, risk management. Yep. So I'm looking at our outline here and you've got a lot of awesome resources, which we're going to link down below uh, the broadcast afterwards. Um, Nick's great about putting that together. So we've got a couple of resources about traditional TA. Uh, and then there are more resources here in a minute that are more like but the psychology behind TA. So could you break down like, I guess, what traditional TA looks like in crypto? And then we can move on to how your particular event is a little different and special. Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. Um, now, you mentioned before, uh, how does TA work with crypto? Um, it really works in any market that there's basically humans that are buying and selling. So anything that's exchange traded, I guess you could say, um, can be applied. So it's really not crypto specific. Now, sure. there are markets that a lot of different TA techniques work better in, uh, like crypto and uh, in the Forex market, you know, when you're talking about currencies. Uh, a lot of times you're you're going to get a, a better TA results uh, because the way I look at it is that when you look at a market like 
currency, you know, like mm-hmm. currency markets. And, I, and Bitcoin can be considered one, I guess, uh, you know, store of value and all that kind of stuff. But right. when, you, when you look at a, uh, when you look at the currency market, there's so many factors and inputs that go into the price movement of a, of a currency that it's hard to forecast all those inputs like GDP of the country and, and all these different things that go on in whatever currency you're looking at. It is really hard to do a fundamental analysis on what's going on fundamentally in the supply and demand of that actual market. So people lean toward technical analysis and the psychology of it more than they do the, the fundamentals of it. And I think TA works better in those types of markets. Now, does it work in all markets? Yes. It's just how you how you apply those TA techniques to whatever markets you're looking at. So when you, the first question you asked a while back, how does it apply to crypto? Um, it does, and it applies to every other market that humans trade. No, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So like, honest, really, in a way, TA is trying to predict human behavior, but like groupthink and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if we want to look at it on a basic, you know, there's three basic tenets to technical analysis. First mm-hmm. one is the market discounts everything. So all the news, you know, financial, economic, geopolitical, whatever the news is, it should already be dictated in the price. That's a theory of, of, uh, of technical analysis is that news doesn't matter. The, that's what people news, say when they say it's priced in already, right? Like that's a yeah, common term right. that people sling around. Yeah. And, and the way I look right. at it is the, the way I build my indicators, my indicators will let me know what news matters and which news doesn't. So to me, I really don't follow the news because I like to do my technical analysis in a vacuum as much as I can, because everyone's got bias. And I try to reduce that bias as much as I possibly can uh, by trying to do the technical analysis without wondering what the hell's going on in the world. I don't care. The indicators will let me know if something's happening in the world, then that sentiment or that overall mass psychology of the market will let me know. And that's where the indicators will kick different directions to let me know that, hey, we're moving in a trend now versus just whipsawing back and forth with people trying to figure out what the hell is going on. So the, and that and that, that's the first tenant. The second tenant is that uh, price moves in trends, um, that the whole goal of technical analysis is to find when that reversal is happening and ride that trend as far as it can. Because in the, in the, the way the way I like to look at markets is through a financial lens versus an economic lens. And I think what a lot of people miss out with is they keep trying to apply economic theory to a financial world. And Mm. to me, what I have found over time is, you know, if you just take your basic economics, right, your whole supply and demand, you're trying to look for an equilibrium price, right? Sure. Oh, you got, I mean, let's take an example, big screen TVs at at, uh, Costco. if you got a bit, if you got a big screen TV that's a thousand dollars, and all of a sudden it comes down to four hundred dollars, price drops, demand goes up, and says, "Hey, let's buy these TVs." So that supply demand factor in the market works in economic world. Now flip to a financial lens. When the if the price goes, we can look at it the other way. If the price is at a ten thousand dollars for Bitcoin. And all of a sudden it rallies up to $20,000. The demand doesn't go down. It goes up. Yeah, That's not that's how true. economics work. Mm, so right. you're, you're, you're trying to look at, look at it with a financial lens to figure out the psychology of the market. It's the FOMO. It's people like, oh, shit, I better get in before everyone else, before I miss out and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, you end up, so you end up the mass, like, the mass amount of people buy at the top and right. get absolutely crushed right. versus – you know, because I think their mentality is looking through an economic lens and looking for that fair value equilibrium price. And I don't right. think that's what markets are. Markets are this dynamic world that we live in that wrap around different realms of diff- of different price averages. Uh, so uh, that's one way I look at it is uh, is that price that, you know, when you look at the price moves and trends, it's that trend that you're you're capturing before it gets to the top um, right. and before you get that reversal. But a lot of people follow that trend and like they jump on that trend when price is going up. So why would you buy something at a high when 
it just doesn't make sense. You know, yeah. so, so it's really how you focus on the market with a financial lens versus a, an economic lens. And then the I last- really like that, real, like yeah. real quick, because I, I never actually heard that comparison. And for me, when I think about Bitcoin, a lot of people specifically say like, oh, it's the scarcity, right? It's the supply and demand that's going to make us go to the moon. And while that may be true on some levels, I never thought about it through the financial lens of like, why do people buy it at the top? You know, why were there a huge demand of people at 69,000 Bitcoin versus right now at 19,000 when like it's still the same asset and everything. Um, and it's neat to me that technical analysis helps bridge that gap of basic common sense, economic supply and demand to putting in this crazy psychology and FOMO that comes with assets that aren't your typical you know, economic devices. Yeah. So and my, whole goal, to me. my whole goal is measuring that. I'm trying to measure. It's not the easiest thing in the world is to measure psychology in a, in a quantified way. Yeah. But it, it's really hard. It sounds it's, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy, but um, it's something that we can learn over time. And then the last tenant uh, we had, the the first one was markets, di uh, markets discount everything and then price moves and trends. But the third one is, is the, is the key one and it's probably the most controversial is that history tends to repeat itself and it's this is where the whole fear and greed comes in uh when you look back in history you go back 50 years 100 years it's that same human nature of fear and greed that that produces markets right so if you look back at you know 50 to 100 years that same human nature is buying and selling and creating these patterns which I have found either consciously or unconsciously that they're, that these patterns are being created that people don't even realize they're creating. And if you do a historical analysis of what's going on and a price breaks out of a certain trend, you know, 28 out of 30 times over the last 10 years, and it created a 15% return every time that type of pattern broke to the upside, most likely that same human nature of fear and greed is going to create that same pattern. Now it's not, perfect but it's it's a tool to you know let you know that that history tends to repeat itself as long as fear and greed's in the market and it's in our human nature i'm going to stay employed i'm going to keep trading and i'm going to still and i'm going to continue to make money when is that going like to go you're going to be around for a while go away. i mean it's fear <laughs> and greed we're, we're we're wired that way when yeah. when i mean if the market's going against you you're like oh shit i'm losing my money and you get out yeah. and yeah. like you know, and they're like, oh, I got to get out. So that whole mentality is what creates these patterns. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think you're going to be employed for a long time. As long as humans are around, fear and greed is going to be a thing, you know? Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, it's, I mean, it's just something to, you know, it's a passion yeah. of mine. So that's why I like doing it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. I mean, that actually kind of touches the the next question that I'd written down on the, the outline, which is um, before we dive into like FIBS and TA specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, we're going to talk about why psychology is so important. And like, that's, that's why, because we're trying as humans, we're trying to pull ourselves out of our own human perspective and figure out what all the other humans are going to be doing and TA and historical analysis and all of that kind of stuff. is just the tool that gets us there. Um, yep. Yep. do you want to touch on any of those? Oh, sorry. Pigeon, please. I, I actually have a quick question I, and this, this might be going too deep. So let me know if I'm, if I'm diving headfirst into something, but what is the process actually so you're trying to quantify human psychology and how that affects the market that's accurate right yeah yeah my whole goal is okay. to measure measure the psychology of, of the what I, I guess i guess a lot of terms you might see are um what's the social mood what's the what's okay. the mass what's the mass psychology what's 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 the mass that's driving the price um, trying to measure what, where the direction is going based on that psychology is what I'm trying to figure out. I get, I guess where I'm getting a little bit lost in my own head is I, I don't understand how, what the indicators would actually look like. Um, so are you, are you, are you thinking, is it a matter of I'm seeing behaviors occur in this market? or in this environment over here. And therefore I know that maybe that will spread to this environment over here. Uh, well, the way I, I approach it um, and it's, it's labor intensive, but it's the way I like to do things because I'm old school and I like to be in the charts. 
Um, I, I don't really use a lot of algorithms or anything like that. It's more old school and I like to be in it. I look at every asset or whatever I'm looking at individually and I'm measuring the psychology of that market. So if I'm looking at Bitcoin, I'm only focusing on that market. I don't give a, I don't care what's happening in other markets. Cause you, I mean, a lot of people will look at, you know, correlations and, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just another way of analysis of stock markets going this way. The dollar's going this way. Um, it's affecting Bitcoin this way. But to me, I just look at them all individually because to me, the, the players that are in that, that particular market of Bitcoin might not be the same people that are, are in the dollar market. So I'm measuring the psychology sure. of what's happening in the dollar market separately than I am the Bitcoin market. Can they correlate and change and, and, cor and, and correlate together? Sure, absolutely. But I want to measure the psychology of what's happening in that particular market. Uh, if some of that money flows to that other market, then that's when the psychology and my indicators will probably say, hey, this market's pushing this way, this market's pushing this way. But I like to look at them all individually. It does take time uh, because you got to look at them all individually versus, hey, let's put a spread up here and we'll do this and this and, uh, and, and work at it in a different way. So that's the way I do it. I look at it okay, as so, that yeah. asset has its own psychology. And then you would kind of measure that quantitative result in like as opposed to you know we measure distance in meters you would measure that in what you might what you referred to earlier is like social mass almost like the weight of that indicator yeah and and, and that and that comes down to the the um definition i had uh the weight okay. of numerous indicators and principles prove otherwise so i'm using those indicators to to measure that psychology now, okay. I mean, I can touch on a few of them when I go in to talk about my FIBs on how I look at certain indicators to to drive that thought process. Um, yeah. Uh, so, and then that's where your output would be uh, based on that. Okay. Sorry. Like, maybe I'm jumping ahead then. Oh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, I think that's a great segue. Um, before we move into FIBs, I just point out again, like I mentioned, we're going to put all these resources down below. Um, but FIBO's provided some solid resources. If anybody listening wants to dive more into all of these concepts, a couple of these books, um, a technical analysis of stock trends. Um, we've got a uh, technical analysis, the complete resource for the financial market. Yeah. The, um, now those two, now those two are traditional technical analysis. Like if you really want to learn about support and resistance and you want to learn about patterns, like, you know, triangle patterns and, uh, and just get that traditional pattern recognition. Um, those are the, that that's the classical TA. Um, you're looking for patterns. Uh, and, and, and going from there. Um, so that, that, that's a good start for anybody that wants to kind of start to dive into what technical analysis is, uh, and, and learn from there. And then you can get into more intricate stuff beyond that, but that's your, that's, a, those are good starters. Right. And so then like, so that's like what we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation. And then we moved on to psychology of TA. So a couple of resources there would be sway the irresistible pull of irrational behavior that sounds fascinating and then um, <laughs> trading in the zone master the market with confidence discipline and a winning attitude and so both of those focus more on like the psychological aspect of ta right yeah and if you want to look at it like the 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 main thing with anything that we're talking about is emotional control you are trying to because when people ask me about looking at markets I give them more psychology books than I do trading books. Cause to me, you're really trying to not so much measure the psychology of the market. You also want to measure your own psychology. So when you go mm. and put a trade on, if you have a buy or a sell in the market, uh, I don't do this anymore, but I did it for years. You journal your trades mm. and you actually write down what you're feeling at that point in time. Cause you want to know, you want to control your emotions. And you don't want to make your emotions give you make you make bad decisions. Uh, and a lot of times that's what happens when you have FOMO and those kind of things. It's the emotion that drives your decision. And you really need to master that uh, and control those emotions. So that's why I like a lot of psychology books to help you maintain that emotional control when you're in the market. So you're just like, oh, shit, it went $100. What do I do now? Ah, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. And then all of a sudden you're just, your mind's like completely, you ever get to that point where like something goes on and all of a sudden you're blank and you're like, yep. like, ah, oh, what do I do yep. uh, in any life situation uh, that, that, that comes down to. So 
I, this is I, why I, you always slap me at mini golf. Because <laughs> yeah, I have that emotional I, control. Yeah, I, I go right. full tilt. I, I missed a putt. Big deal. I'll move on to the next. One. Um, but yeah, um, uh, yeah. I actually journal my uh, my uh, uh, golf. You're your putting. <laughs> yeah, the mini so golf. How did yeah. I feel when I did it? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like to say emotions the enemy. I mean, I, it's a tool too. Um, but I find myself um, whenever I'm hovering over the buy button, I take a second and I'm like. Am I saying I need to buy this, right? And if I am saying that, that's a warning light in my head to be like, all right, wait, back off. Don't click the buy button. Wait for a little bit. And let's think about why we're, we have this feeling of need to like buy right now. Um, and I think yeah, for I me, that was something that I relaxed into dollar cost averaging. When I, when I just turned on the recurring buys and the roundups, I had this mental thing of like, I'm okay now. I don't have to like, freak out over the markets because I know that I'm accumulating, which is what I personally care about. So I think for everybody, you got to find that whatever it is, that tool or that practice or, you know, whatever that makes you be like, I can relax because I've done X, Y, and Z. I don't need to like force myself into a FOMO situation because yeah. so FOMO will mess you up. <laughs> for for the beginners that are just like maybe not super familiar with this whole like Zen, like empty your mind sort of approach to finance, I guess, in general, uh, it, it, highly it's recommend. No, it's I, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. No, I just said it's a cooler way of looking at it. <laughs> it I'll, is a cooler I'll way. Just, and I'll just mess for, with you. for like diving into it, I, I highly recommend reading the Stoics. Um, as far as just philosophical side of things, uh, people like Marcus Aurelius or Epictetus or Seneca uh, from the Greek traditions, they wrote some really incredible works on how to actually do this in not just financial markets, but your everyday life, how to um, understand that the sky is not necessarily falling uh, and, and deal with that psychologically for yourself. Just for those that are just getting, in, getting into it, I highly oh, recommend those reads. Totally agree. Uh, I've learned yeah. I've learned a lot from reading that type of literature uh, because it helped me learn what the golden ratio really is and what it means uh, when it comes to Fibonacci. So um, you, you'll learn a lot by perusing through those for sure. Dude, is that another perfect segue? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh, so let's it today. So let's move on. Let's move on to oh, this. Wait, wait, wait. One, one other thing, real quick. You're talking about John, was yeah. Uh, when I go to put a trade on. Um, I already know what my sell, what my stop, what my, what everything is before I even put that trade in. Mm -hmm. So to me, my emotion's gone. Like if I go in there, I, I already have my profit and loss target. I already have this, uh, I already have my stop in case that, you know, those kind of things. So I already know what's going on in the market. So it takes my emotion out of it. So, right. uh, but you'll, you, people will learn that over time that you'll have to, when you go to put a position on, you have to be ready to know what's going to happen or because you don't know what's going to happen. So you got to you got to kind of manage that or mitigate that risk ahead of time before you even put the position on. And you kind of hinted on that, too, with the way you approach it. Um, right. You know, it's just that people got to know before you click that buy button or sell button, um, you know, measure your emotion. Just yeah. take your time and figure out what, what you're doing before you do it. There always will be another opportunity. You don't yes. have to like, you know. Well, that one opportunity isn't make or break every yeah. single time. Exactly. All right. Segway. Cool. Woo. Let's do it. All right. So, yeah. So, Fibs. So, we've got um, Nick, if you wouldn't mind hitting that uh, the chart to explain the madness, the trading view chart. Um, I'll dive into dive into Fibs for us. How does the ratio play into the way that you specifically chart? Because you you're going to write a book about this fibliminal thinking. Well, I got what, I got so many mean? notes. It's it's everywhere. But um, uh, first first of all, let's let's talk about what Fibs you know, kind of talk about Fibs first. Uh, sure. Actually, let, let's flip up that. Is, do you guys have those three slides that I sent? Um, let's, let's throw that up first before we get on to this crazy chart stuff. Why fibs matter in charting? Oh yeah, yeah there you go. Sorry, yeah, Nick. That, that was up. my fault. I no, we kind of we kind of touched on most of this, but this is where I really want to want to hit it home here first. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's do it. Um, before we go into that chart, uh, Fibonacci sequence. We kind of talked about it earlier. What creates the spiral? Um, and this is that formula that I was talking about: the one plus one equals two, and so on, off into infinity. Um, but the sequence is cool. 
and there's so much to learn from it, but you're talking 300, 400 level technical analysis when it, when it comes to timing and cycles and it gets very math heavy. Um, I do use it for that, uh, the sequence itself, um, but it's the ratios that the sequence uh, brings to us. And if you flip over to the next slide, it's the, it's the ratios. If you go, if you take any two numbers along the the number sequence and you and you divide them into each other, and, it, and I'm just using the examples of 144 divided by 233 on there, um, you, you it it is all going to approximately 61.8 percent, which is that golden ratio. Um, and then if you reverse it, and 233 divided by 144, you're getting the the the, the capital fee. Uh, which is the 1.618 uh, versus the 618. And then if you take any number and go two numbers over, you get another ratio. If you go three numbers over, you get another ratio. It's these ratios that are key for me to measure the proportion of the market, not necessarily just price alone. I want to mm -hmm. know the, the proportion of what's happening in the market versus the price. So I'm, that's where the psychology to me starts to come in. So a lot of people ask, well, well, why in the hell does these numbers matter in, in markets? Right. You know, this is just a mathematical formula, right? And sure. why does it matter? Uh, if you flip over to the next one, and this is where the fun begins, uh, and we kind of talked about it earlier. First of Amazing. all, you got yeah. First of all, you got the spiral. You know, the right. one, one, two, three, five, and the spirals off into infinity. Uh, and, you, and you'll see me on Twitter every Friday. I put out a happy Fibonacci Friday. I love that it. I spiral into a good weekend. Yeah. <laughs> it's just because I'm a dork. and that's It makes like. a lot of sense, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but that spiral, then you go into the nature stuff. And we kind of talked about that earlier. I just gave an example of a sunflower. Uh, the, 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 uh, the spirals of the seeds are, mm -hmm. are proportionately there based on the ratios. If you go into a park and pick up a pine cone, and look at the numbers clockwise versus counterclockwise, you're going to get Fibonacci numbers, 8 and 13. Uh, so that's in nature and those kind of things. Then I also put on a music octave on the piano. So you got it's fascinating so you, to me. It's, cra it's crazy on how all this kind of works, but yeah. it's a phenomenon that's really hard to explain. Like I was telling you guys earlier before the show, I've been yeah. doing this for two decades and I still can't explain it right, but it's there. <laughs> um, I wouldn't continue to do it if I didn't see the, the, the results. Yeah. But uh, the octave is, is that there's two black keys and then there's three black keys, which make up five black keys. And then there's eight white keys that total 13. So you got two, three, five, eight, and 13, just in an octave of music going that's from awesome. one octave to the next. So that's, awesome. there, so that's built in there. Then, and, and you'll get a lot of groups in music that you'll see that they use the Fibonacci sequence a lot to build their music. Um, mm -hmm. And then, and then just the human portion of us is the top half versus the lower half. And it gets kind of weird, but everybody has this kind of 61.8% bottom, 38.2% top. And we kind of break, break ourselves in that kind of ratio. And Whoa. then, so this is the leap that's really controversial and hard to explain. If, if that human nature of fear and greed is there and it's in all of us and we're built in nature based on these Fibonacci numbers and sequences and, and ratios, that human nature goes into markets. And that, that's where the Elliott wave theory started from. And that's why mm -hmm. I, that's that next thing where you have five waves that work to the upside in a motive wave. And then any correction against a trend is in three waves. So you got five waves up in this, in this scenario, it's an up wave, but you can do it the opposite way too. But, Right. You go up five waves and you reverse three on a correction. So you got five up, three down. And then if that holds, and typically a little hold at a Fibonacci level or a ratio, and that's what we'll kind of talk about a little bit. But the uh, if it holds there at that support and it wants to continue to the upside, then it'll go another five waves to the upside. So you got a five, a three, and then another five, which gives you 13. So five, three, wow. eight, and 13. And then it's fractal in nature. So what I mean by that is every one of those waves, like that wave one, can be broken down into five, mm. which is the same concept. And then you can go even further, and each one of those little ones can be broken down into five, and, and so on. And then even further to the upside, um, every wave 
can be broken out into more and more either either direction. So, wow. so it's fractal in nature. So I I started diving in Elliott Wave for many, many years trying to figure all this stuff out. And what I found, I mean, what it's really based on is a lot of the Fibonacci ratios. And if the ratios work with the, the sequences that the Elliott Wave is working itself out, um, that's where you start to find this conscious and unconscious patterns. Yes, there's the surface patterns that everyone sees, absolute highs, absolute lows. Everyone's looking at the same chart. Everyone's looking at the same support and resistance. But if you start going down fractal in nature and you start looking at different time frames, and these patterns are working in all these different time frames, it's not surface. That stuff's happening and people are creating them without even knowing they're creating them. So I use, I use Elliott Wave for a guide. I don't trade off of Elliott Wave, but I do use them as a sense of guide and direction of where price could go based on that. And then I use my Fibonacci analysis to really give me the sense of my entry and exit points. So that's where all this Fibonacci stuff comes from. I know it's very controversial and it's hard to explain, but it, the basics is human nature is in markets. And if, and if the Fibonacci sequence is in nature and, it, and we're in human nature, it's in markets. It's in markets. Yeah. It's, it's just all kind of intertwined. Yeah. I hope, I hope I, I explained it in this crazy world we live in, but that's just the way it is. <laughs> no, no. I love that. That's, that's a fascinating, like thinking about the ratio in particular is, is a fascinating way of looking at it. And I don't personally think it's that big of a leap to say that if it's in humans and it's in nature, then it's in markets, like, because markets are human, right? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I, I was at first, you know, for many years when I first started doing all this, but then as I started to do more analysis and dive deeper into the rabbit hole, I started seeing things that unless you really dug down in deep, um, it's amazing the patterns you find. It's crazy. Yeah. And that, and that's what kept my passion going. Like, I want to keep learning more and more about this as I go, because it's just one of those things that there'll never be an answer. Right. But I learn more and more about it and I can apply those methods to what I do for a living. And like you said, it's a passion of mine. So it's not like I'm working because I really yeah. enjoy it. You enjoy it. And yeah. I get to do something that I enjoy every day. Yeah. So, all right. So. Yeah, the chart, now right? We the, now we can move on to the chart. Awesome. Um, um, might be a little tough to see, but a couple of things that I do that uh, that I use because uh, uh, Pigeon started to talk about this a little bit when it comes to the indicators itself. Um, the middle pane there is the ADX, uh, which is the average directional index, which actually measures trend strength in the market. So there's right. that black line um, on that first pane or I kind of moved out of the picture, but um, the that middle pane is the ADX, and basically what when we're you, when you say the middle pane, real quick, Fibo, we've got a top pane, a, a middle pane, and a bottom pane, right? Yeah, yeah. the The top okay. one is price, the middle one is the ADX, and then the bottom one is the RSI. Um, so okay, we're, looking that, those, yeah. the, the, we're looking at those squiggly lines in the middle there, um, right? So, so the black line itself is the average directional index, which is just measuring trend strength. So if that is is increasing, the black line that's down there, if that's mm -hmm. increasing, that's telling you that the momentum for trend is increasing. So uh, but then you also have a red and a green directional index line that's plotted along with it. And the green mm -hmm. positive directional index is or the green line is the positive directional index, or in other words, the bulls. And then the right. red negative directional index is the bears. So. And then, and then it gets in. I don't want to get into a bunch of details, but the uh, then there's different ranges of where the ADX can be. You know, zero to twenty on the on the oscillator itself is very weak trend. Anything that's between you know twenty five to thirty five or twenty to forty, somewhere in there is a is a strength building zone. And then mm -hmm. if it gets above forty or higher, it's still really strong trend. But it's it's uh it's also getting a red flag that it could be an ex it could be getting to an exhaustive phase take an example a base take a baseball throw it up in the air as quickly as you possibly can it goes really quick at first and then it starts to get up to this point where it starts to stall and come down right. and that's what we're trying to measure is that that momentum that's happening in the market of when that trend can start to to ease uh ease off and start come back in the mm -hmm. other direction so in other words when you look at all these squiggly lines it's like an ekg to a doctor 
if you if you it's the it's the heartbeat of what's happening market. in the market. So yeah. if you look back historically, you'll start to see patterns in that trend in in that indicator. And if you're a doctor on an EKG, you're going to take an EKG, and then um, a year later you're going to do another one, and you're going to look back and see if there's any differences to see if there's anything wrong, right? Right. Same thing with the ADX is you're, you're really looking at it and you look back historically and you're going to say, OK, this is acting differently than it did here. So that's heads up. Let's let's dive in and learn what's going on. Uh, so that's what the ADX is. And that's one of the things that I use in my whole threshold theory. The other one is a little bit more difficult is the RSI. And a lot of people use the relative strength index as an overbought, uh, oversold indicator, which is which is what it is. Um, right. But what I use it for is I apply what's happening in the price chart and I look back historically and I look for trend trend line breaks and I look at patterns that have happened in the past, uh, Fibonacci levels that have held as support and resistance, where all of those kind of match up. I look at that and I have these vertical lines on the chart that come from price down to the RSI. And you can see that I break the RSI down into different zones. Right. These zones is what I look at historically as the psychology changes in the market. So when that flips to a bull zone, that is a mass and that's a that's a psychology change for me that the market is switching trend psychologically. And to me, that's how, where I go in and I apply my my threshold theory of when to buy, when to go in, when to sell those kind of things based on. The, the measurement that's happening in the bulls and bear zones. Currently, we just had a nice little run up in the market. Everybody thought we were back in the bull market. But when you look at this daily market, it didn't, it went up and touched the top of that bear zone. So it went to the extreme of where it could go. But then right. that resistance in price found a lot of more selling interest to hold that market from going further, which kept us in that bear zone. So to mm -hmm. me, I am still on the downside mentality of this market until that psychology gives me a sense of change. And right now it hasn't from a little bit more longer term perspective. We've still got that risk to the downside because my historical analysis on the RSI itself is, in, is still remaining in the bear zone. Right. So, so, that, so when you take the and then, and then you measure that against the ADX and you, it, I, it's very complicated when you look at it for the first time. Right. Uh, but that's why I have a group and I anybody that's interested can join me. But then you'll learn more and more about it. And don't don't get me wrong. If you want to join my group, I am not a signal shop. I'm not going to tell you when to buy. I'm not going to tell you when to sell. But I am going to be that co-pilot to help you along the way to help you learn so you can so you can fly yourself. That's really what I want to do. Yeah, this is a great time to show your group. So you're on Patreon, right? Yeah. Yeah. I use Patreon as my payment service. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so if but it's a telegram, little... it's a telegram group. That's okay. private telegram group. group. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to take a quick little break, real quick, before we like continue on and just say, like, we gingerly we say that we're gingerly introducing newcomers to uh, <laughs> concepts that help them figure out the market or help them learn the next step about crypto and Bitcoin. So while this all might feel very heady and very like you know difficult to grasp in the fifty minutes that we've been together. People have been doing this for 20 years. And what we want to do is just present this stuff as like, a, hey, there's a lot more to this market than maybe you originally thought about. There's a lot more tools out there that can help you change your own financial future. Um, and so this is, should be a springboard for anybody who's watching to do more research, to figure out, you know, maybe there's some tools in this episode that can help you take that next step to feel more comfortable with your own financial future. So um, FIBO's group is a great option for that. If you want to learn more about charting, if you want to learn more about um, being able to measure the psychology of the market, definitely check out his group. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, uh, I, no thanks. Yeah, I, but I, I, it's it's a learning environment. I, I kind of it's not like I'm trying to do this like big thing to grow my group or anything like that. It's sure. a relatively small group. Um, I, I try to keep it that way. To be honest, I don't want to. Yeah. I, I don't want ten thousand people in there. I usually right. run between you know two three hundred people, and that's about mm -hmm. it. Uh, it's pretty intimate. It's a great group. A great. Uh, there's guys that have been with me since the start. Uh, so I got a lot of people that can help when I'm not around. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it, it's a fun group, but it's a learning environment. It's not somewhere that you're going to join to get 
buys and sells. Now, I, I'll, I'll event, I every once in a while will show what I'm doing in Bitcoin. If someone sure. wants to mirror me, they can, but right. I don't advise it because right. the way I approach things is based on my book of my short term and my long term and my risk management, which might not even be close to what you're doing. So right. to me, if, if the tools that I give you, just use it as a tool to build your own strategies and, and work your own stuff. That's really the whole goal. Cause right. um, I feel like since I've been doing this for so long and I have a lot of wisdom that's in this head, I like to just share it uh, yeah. because it's like, it's like my pay it forward. And, right. and I like to teach it more than I actually like to do it, to be honest, because yeah. it's that there's just stuff out there that people can learn from and, and take it. And, and if someone takes that threshold theory that I have, and build something 10 times better. Awesome. That's what I yeah, want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why we're here. I mean, honestly, that's why me and Pigeon are doing what we're doing is because we want to pay it forward too. We've learned a lot of stuff. I've learned a lot of expensive lessons. You know, I've made a lot of mistakes and I want to make sure that other people are prepared and don't have to make those mistakes and have good resources. So that's why, that's um, why, that's why I was excited to come on because it's yeah, like, man. Like you guys educating like this is a good time. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Thanks for throwing up uh, Fibo's Twitter there too. Definitely give him a follow on Twitter. Um, if you follow me and Style Pigeon, you probably are already familiar with Fibo because we hang out and we tweet <laughs> at each other all the time. Uh, but Fibo, kind of like as a closing, you know, call to arms to the people that are listening, like sure. what would you say is like to a newcomer if they're brand new to TA, they're brand new to crypto, um, you know, what would be your word of encouragement to those people like getting started and especially in this market? Oh, oh that's a tough one. Yeah. Um, if they're just getting started, um, what would you say to young Fibo 18 years ago, just getting kicked off in TA? Um, I, I would probably approach the markets a lot more as a, almost like a paper trade. I wouldn't really, I would do very, very small uh, percentages of your money, mm -hmm. um, almost to the point where you're not putting any, but I don't like doing that because you got to have something in some skin in the game. Yeah help manage those emotions um but i would actually just take time that way uh and because everyone goes through like the learning lessons right, right. <laughs> you yeah. go through and you get your ass handed to you and then you learn from those lessons um you could do that without losing your ass um yes. just start very small um learn uh as much as you can um the way the way I kind of look at things, and, and this is why I kind of wanted to write the book, um, is uh, the first. I, there's three principles that I had that I started off with. First thing is is that um, accept your ignorance is the first mm -hmm. thing, because um, there's one dominant aspect of wisdom, and that's knowing what we don't know. Mm -hmm. um, so take that time to learn other views be open-minded about what's going on because like when i first started doing this fibonacci stuff uh, people were like uh, why in the heck would you put a fibonacci line there well right. that that led into aspire more understanding is the next a there's three a's and then the last one was um accomplish something different that's what I really wanted to do. So whenever I get an indicator, I, I, I don't think I ever use the default that the software package gives you. Mm -hmm. Play around with them, learn from them, really dig in and, and learn of what that thing is telling you. Um, and that way you can accomplish something different um, and you don't have to follow the masses because I feel like um, you can learn more by, um, doing your own path um right. and just following the other person now if you don't have to just follow somebody you can just follow somebody but the younger me i wish i would have started off in small baby steps versus just jumping all in and saying oh shit, bitcoin's going to a million dollars i'm just going to put it all in and the right. next thing you know it's down and did you use that money that you were saving for your family <laughs> you know right yeah like don't do things like that. Like thing, like do the baby steps. I guess that's about the only thing that I could think of um, off the top of my head. No, I think that's great. 
Just start small. Just don't yeah. and, and learn as you go and journal. I know it's pain in the butt, but you learn so much from journaling. Even if you do it for like three months and go back a couple of months in those entries and look back and see if there's any similarities, if there's any differences, uh, you'll be amazed on what worked and what didn't and why, if you just right. do that. So those are yeah. the two things. Start small and journal. I know it's kind of probably cliche, but um, that's, that's probably no, what I would. I love it. I, I, wish, love it. I, Honestly, I wish I would have done that when I first I wish someone would have told me that. Cliches for a reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, I wish someone would have told me, like, start small. I didn't, honestly, when I started, I didn't even know you could buy a fraction of a Bitcoin, right? I mean, you can literally use a dollar or two. Like, my story is my little sister, She 10 years younger than me. So when she was, like, 12, she was like, I want to, John, I want to, like, invest. Tell me what to do. And I was like, well, you know, put $5 into Bitcoin and just leave it. And then it, she turned it into 150 you know, and it's like this big deal. So mm -hmm. start small, invest in yourself. That's really big. Um I really appreciate yeah, that. that a that's a better way of saying it. Invest in yourself. Yeah. I mean, because that's really what you're doing is if you start small and learn, you're investing in yourself. So over time, then you can start increasing and be more confident in your in what, whatever you're doing, trading or even dollar cost averaging. Yeah. You still got to learn on what you're doing because yep. you know, there's there's pros and cons to it. And you might be doing something that's kind of non-beneficial to, to what's going on if you don't know right. really what you're doing. So if yep. you learn in those in those baby steps regardless of how you approach it, you'll learn as you go. Yeah. Me and Pigeon like to use the term dollar cost averaging for a lot of things. Dollar cost average your health, dollar cost average your knowledge. You know, it's those small baby steps that you just invest in yourself. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, this has been great, man. To close this out, I want to start doing something different. I want, especially now that we have guests. guests. Um, I'm a huge believer of unplugging and taking it easy because a lot of us in this space are in this 24-7 um, and you mentioned already, you like to post on Fridays, you know, spiral into the weekend and plug and take it easy. So what and is I, your I way? Say, I also say, um, close the laptops and open. Yes, you do. Like, yes, you get do. Out. Get out. Shut that thing yeah. down. <laughs> so on that note, how do you like to unplug and relax uh, when you're getting away from what you do full time? Um, as the shirt I'm wearing, um, I'm, I'm, I love disc golf. Um, that's my way of getting out in nature. But then again, I also get to play a, a fun game or sport or whatever you'd want yeah. to call it. I yeah, guess yeah. it's a sport and I guess sport. everything is totally. sport these days. We're there now. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, I got my, my disc golf shirt disc on. Disc golf shirt on. Yeah, I love it. Uh, but uh, that's one of the things I like to do because um, I do like getting out and hiking. I like nature. Um, you learn a lot from just being out there. Um, yeah. That solitude of just hiking in nature it has taught me a lot, just even learning about Fibonacci and nature and all these things. It drives me to learn more about different things. Um, yeah. I, that's the way I unplug is mainly disc golf um, and getting out there. That, that'd be my main thing. Um, yeah. So even it's funny because like even the people in my Telegram group, um, they already know I'm going to be gone the weekend and I'm playing. Uh, but the thing is, is like, like we talked about earlier, if you're putting on a trade and you know your buy and you know your sell and you know your stop, then you can go out and have a good time. You don't have yeah. to sit and worry about it. Um, so yeah. you just go out and if you come back and you lose, then figure out why you lost, learn from it and apply uh, something different next time. And if you even if you made and hit profit, learn from it. What did I do right? What did I do wrong? What could I have done better? Even even yeah. though when you win, um, you can learn from that also. But knowing that you're covered uh, and and that this all comes back to that emotional control. If you can take emotion out of the market, then you can go out and have a good time. Yep. And often unplugging helps you just reset that emotion too. I feel the same way. I've, yes. I, yeah. So yeah, this is great. I, if you, if you're interested in wanting to know more about disc golf or VR, you know, <laughs> Bebo's your guy, give him a follow. Um, but so, yeah, this is great. Pigeon, any other last things you wanted to get in before we're, before we're out of here? No, I'm just, again, I have so much reading to do. Um, I'm excited about all the stuff that y'all are teaching me. Uh, I hope other people are learning half as much as I am through these shows. That would be a really awesome thing to be a part of, um, is the helping people get into this and, and learn more and more, uh, and really just start to actually apply themselves in general too. I mean, a lot of the people who listen to our show, I think are already, you know, 
pretty dead set on, I want to get better. I want to do better over time, but there's a lot of people out there who aren't. Um, so I, I'm a huge believer in picking up skills and just becoming a little bit more than I was the day prior. Uh, that's why, you know, we do things like, well, me and Fibo go back and forth on mini golf, trying to be, trying to beat each other. And it's mostly just me trying to get up to Fibo's level, (laughs) but you know, I I also play, you know, 25 hours of rocket league a week just because I like to have a skill that I'm trying to get better at. It's super motivating to me, helps me deal with my clinical depression and all that uh, as well. So um, I'm just happy to be here and be a part of this. Fibo, thanks so much for coming on and and giving me another, uh, you know, half a library worth of reading to do. Yeah, 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 no problem. And, and, and you and, and everyone else that's watching, you know, you don't have to join my group, just hit me up on Twitter if you have a question and I'll try to get to it as quickly as I can. Um, uh, it doesn't have to be a group thing. It could be, Hey, just got a question about this or that, you know, just throw it out there. If I have time, which you know, I, I try to get to the questions as quickly as I can, but I, I am there as a resource to help teach. So that's what I like doing. Um, people for the group are ones that really want to get in and trade and uh, it gets a little bit more in depth and it might not be for right. you. Um, so if you just have simple questions uh, that you want to learn from, just hit me up on Twitter and just uh, and just write me there. Yeah, man, I really appreciate you being a resource to everybody. I've learned a lot. I know Pigeons learned a lot. Um, big thanks for coming out. I'm really yeah. excited for uh, playing golf on Wednesday with you. If you're into VR and you're listening to this, come play golf with us on Wednesdays. We have so yeah. much fun. <laughs> so, yeah, it's with fun. that, I want to wrap it up. Uh, big thanks to Roundly X for sponsoring. Again, if you go to roundlyx.com, you can sign up with code GINGERLY. That's the name of our show and get $4 in Bitcoin when you do your first roundup. Uh, and with that, we'll be back in two weeks with another guest. Can't wait to announce that. Uh, Fibo, Pigeon, thank you all again. And uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thank you so much.